This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. As Christians, we trust Jesus as our King who reigns in our hearts for all eternity. This means that we live for Him in special ways. Stay with us as we talk about how we can serve Him as our King in our message entitled, Life is Better Serving. Today we're going to take a look at an activity that will make your life better according to Jesus. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your love and faithfulness. Throughout the ups and downs and the twists and turns of life, you have never deserted your children. You've shown your love for us in the person of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us while we were still sinners. So we're glad to be with you today in worship and to reflect once again on how wonderful you really are. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You don't know now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean, and you're clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and for this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. After Jesus had washed their feet and put on his robe and returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed 
if you do them. Dear friends, as you are around Christians and church, you will oftentimes hear us talk about Jesus as our king. Some churches even use king in their title, Christ the King Church, for instance. And if you follow the common lectionary, you know that there's a time of year we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. And lots of our hymns describe Jesus as king, beautiful savior, king of creation, crown him with many crowns, and on and on the list can go. Even contemporary music chooses to talk of Jesus as king. Jack Hayford's song, Majesty, described Jesus as a king of all kings. In our church, we'll sing another one that's a favorite called, You Are My King, to Jesus. Preachers describe him as king from the pulpits because scripture uses the language as well. When you think about it, though, it's churchy language, which can be puzzling to contemporary people, both inside and outside of church. We don't talk about kings in our everyday conversations, do we? Our only experience with kings is looking back on history and Europe and the figureheads that are called kings now over there. So people wonder, what do we mean by calling him king? In a democratic society, we don't have things like kings, so what does it mean to call Jesus the king? We could respond, well, he's the king of the universe. He reigns over history itself. He has uh, come to be our savior and our king. And the day will come when all knees will bow to him. Someone else might say, well, there's a personal side to this as well. To call him my king is to say he's my leader, my boss, my authority in life, my control center. He's the one I trust as I live out my days. Why describe him as a king? I mean, that's a pretty lofty title. One, I suppose we could say it's because you call him Jesus Christ. It's actually Jesus the Christ, which means the anointed one, which has the image of a king. But there's more there. We call him king because of the resurrection, because of Easter. He overcame sin and death. And then he ascended and sits at the right hand of God in power and authority over the whole creation. He's in charge. All of history is his story. The final word is his. And if you've come to know him and what he's done for you at the cross and how wise and how much he, he is and how much he knows what makes a person's life work best, you come to know that it's best to serve him and obey him as you would as the authority in your life, the king. That's why we describe him as king. He rules over creation. And he's a great king as he rules over the lives of those who have surrendered themselves to him. What kind of a king is Jesus? How would you answer that question? Well, you might say he's a great king, he's, he's a good king, he's a loving king, and all of those would be correct. But have you ever heard the phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words? Jesus gives us a picture of his kingship in today's reading. 
It's the night before Jesus is going to be crucified on the cross for the sins of the world. He's with his disciples in an upper room in Jerusalem. He knows what's going to be happening to him. They're celebrating one last Passover meal together. And before the meal got started, Jesus got up from the table, put a towel around his waist, took a basin of water, and he stooped and washed the feet of his disciples. Peter tried to stop him, but Jesus insisted. He washed their feet. You see, that was the work of a servant in those days. Jesus was doing the work of a servant. He's a humble king, stooping to wash the feet of his disciples. He's the servant king, as many have described him. He's the one who said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's what kind of a king he is. He's a humble servant king. And by the way, the the washing of the feet was actually a metaphor of sorts, symbolic of the ultimate cleansing that would take place at the cross when he poured out his innocent blood for our sins. Remember when he spoke to Peter's hesitation in this story? He said, you don't understand now, but later you will. And to Peter's protest, he said, unless I wash you, you can have no share with me. And the story begins, Jesus, having loved his disciples, loved them to the end. What end? The cross. He washed them clean of their sins. I would be neglectful as a preacher if I didn't stop here and ask you a personal question as the listener. Have you been washed of your sin by the crucified servant king? Because there is forgiveness that is awaiting the unclean sinner who is lost and needs to come home, who repents and turns to Christ, trusting in what he's done for you. Because his innocent blood covers our sins and gives us a new start. Have you been washed? He's waiting for you today. He wants to wash you to be your king, your servant king. You might be wondering, well, if Jesus is my king and I am his subject, how do I live the rest of my days under him. And Jesus doesn't leave us guessing. After he washed the feet of his disciples and there was silence in that room because I'm sure they were going, what is he doing? Jesus said to them, do you see what I've done for you? You call me teacher and master. If I have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet for I have set you an example that you should also do what I have done to you. If he's my king, I'll be a doer of the word. I'll do what he says and follow his example. I'll take a step to serve others. I mean, notice that Jesus didn't say, I gave you an example that you should study about it on Sunday mornings. Or I gave you an example that you should form a discussion group and Meditate on this. Or how about this one? I gave you an example. You should memorize my words and repeat them often. No, 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 no. Jesus said it plainly. He was looking for action, not theory. I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. 
What does that look like to serve others? Well, in the church, for instance, he says, if you serve, uh, wash each other's feet. I think of Luke and Jack who show up here on Fridays faithfully. Jack's on a day off and Luke's retired, but they're here every Friday morning to do custodial work and help in the office to get us ready for Sunday mornings. They're serving. They're giving them their time away, their skills. I think of the nursery workers who show up here faithfully and serve parents who want to worship in peace and don't want to have to wrestle with a two-year-old in worship. They're serving. I think of those who are picking up people who have, can no longer drive to church themselves. So these people come and pick them and bring them. Or I think of the people that open up their homes. They're great hospitality people, have groups of people in and have Bible studies. And I think of those that are leading them, who have the gift of leading and facilitating groups. I think of Jamie, who's great at organizing things, just such a gift. And she comes here every Wednesday and gets things ready for our youth events. Or the helping hearts and helping hands folks in our church that help people move or mow their lawn or clean their house, take them to doctor appointments and so on. Or the women who come and do prayer shawls a couple times a month to be given to the hurting people around us. And those that come on weekends with the gift of hospitality and serving communion and greeters and readers and you name it, ushers. And they're giving, they're, they're, they're serving. They're serving in Christ's name. I think of the people that work with our children faithfully each week and our youth. We have one of the best children and youth ministries around the Twin Cities, I believe. We serve hundreds of kids here each week. Why is that happening? Because we have faithful servants who are taking the step that Jesus has called us to take. Serve. I've given you an example. Do what I've done. There's opportunities to serve outside of the walls of the church as well. There are people around us that can't uh, make ends meet, so they have to come in and get help with groceries and so on. So we have people that go and hand out groceries. Folks down in the inner city who need someone to come alongside them and help them to work on their projects and so on so that they can have a decent life in, in the inner city because they don't have anything. Or those that come and serve loaves and fishes, uh, uh, ministry f meals to the poor. There's global serving, Hon teams going to Honduras and Haiti Teen Challenge and China. And we have quilters who are making quilts for Lutheran World Relief to give to refugees. And, and the list goes on and on because the needs go on and on. And Christ says, I've given you an example that you should do also what I have done to you. Wash feet. Maybe you're someone who's homebound. Can you pick up a phone and call someone? Because there are people who need a phone call that maybe need some words of encouragement, someone to let them know that they're being thought about. When was the last time you wrote a card to someone, say, I've been thinking about you and praying for you, or congratulate them for something they've accomplished? And how about prayer? You can pray. You can bathe people in prayer. 
it goes on and on. I've given you an example, Jesus said, do what I have done to you. If Jesus is your king, you see, you'll be a doer of the word. But I want you to also notice the promise that's attached to this command of Jesus to his subjects. He said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. (laughs) Blessed are you if you do them. There's blessing in the doing. The primary reason then Jesus calls us to servanthood goes beyond people need our service. It also is because of what happens to us when we take the step to serve. We get blessed. You ever had that experience where you've walked away from serving somebody, doing something nice for someone, and it was such a blessed experience, you say to someone, you know, I want to be a blessing, but I'm the one who got blessed. Well, there are lots of stories like that, as people discover in giving themselves away to others. They get the blessing. Jesus seems to be saying here with this promise, life is better Your life is better serving in my name. There's the blessing of growth. We grow in our relationship with God. That's God's plan for us. We grow in humility. Healthy self-forgetfulness begins to happen when we get caught up in serving others and getting outside of ourselves. We grow in joy as we step into the adventure instead of just sitting around waiting to be waited on by others. As we step out and serve others, become servants, there's adventure and there's joy and you feel so alive in your faith and your prayer life gets more active because you're in over your head and you know you need God's help to make it happen. You grow closer to Jesus. Remember Jesus said, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. In USA Today, there's a wonderful little story of Portland, Oregon. The homeless gather under a bridge called the Burnside Bridge. And for more than three years, carloads of Christians from a ministry called Bridgetown Ministries have shown up on Friday nights and ministered to these needy men and women. In addition to providing hot meals and shaves and haircuts, some of the volunteers wash the homeless people's feet. The writer for USA Today, Tom Krattenmaker, was stunned by the display. He called it one of the most audacious acts of compassion and humility he'd ever witnessed. The group of outcasts had their bare feet immersed in warm water, scrubbed, dried, powdered, and placed in clean socks. And one man said with a smile, I can't find words to describe how good that feels. Krattenmaker commented on the significance of this foot washing in the article. Washing someone's feet is an act best performed while kneeling. Given the washer's position and the unpleasant appearance and odor of a homeless person's feet, it's hard to imagine an act more humbling. In preparation that night for their outreach, the leader of the ministry offered these words to those servants. When you go out there tonight, I want you to look for Jesus. You might see him in the eyes of a drunk person or a homeless person. We're just called to go out there and love on people. 
You'll grow closer to Jesus. You just might look into the face of Jesus as you surf. And finally, you grow closer to one another. There's a sense of belonging that happens as you come shoulder to shoulder with other people for the cause of Christ, for the cause of serving in his name. You have ownership in the mission, the mission of the kingdom of God, something bigger than ourselves. It's an amazing blessing that's waiting to be experienced. You might think, well, I don't have the ability to any ability to serve. And someone once told me the most important ability is availability. The big ask today is, well, you trust Jesus on this one? Will you take a step of trust, a step towards being a blessing and receiving blessing and growth in your own life? I encourage you, make yourself available and take that step and you will be blessed as you do what he says. Amen. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, you have shown us what kind of king this Jesus really is. You've also made it clear as to how his subjects are to behave towards one another. Help us, Lord, to trust in the promise attached to this instruction from Jesus. Give us eyes to see ways in which we can serve one another so that we can discover for ourselves that life truly is better serving others. In the name of the servant king we pray, amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to take a step of trust, a step toward being a blessing and receiving blessing and growth in your life as you serve your Lord and King, Jesus Christ. Christian Crusaders cares deeply about the spiritual lives of our listeners. If you have a concern for which you desire prayer, please contact us by visiting our webpage and following the Is This For You link. Our board of directors and staff are dedicated to lifting up our listeners to the throne of grace through intercessory prayer. All requests are kept confidential. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry dedicated to serving the spiritual needs of those unable to attend worship in the church of their choosing and all others who have need to listen. If you enjoyed today's program, we invite you to help support this ministry with your prayers and financial gifts. All donations to this ministry are considered tax-deductible. Our mailing address is Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Or you can call us toll-free at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We are happy you chose to worship with us this day and pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was Pastor Steve Kramer of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 81st year of broadcasting biblical truth.